number 16, we are going to find ourselves looking at, I think, at an interesting theme this, that we've encountered this week. If, if some of you are not aware, what we've been doing, of course, is going through the Bible together as a church. So every week, um, we're pulling the sermon out of that reading that took place in the previous week. And one of the things that occurred to me over this past week is how many different circumstances we find in the book of Numbers that kind of had this primary theme. And that theme is, is really this theme of, of pride. One of the, the biggest examples of pride that we see in the Old Testament is with the story of Israel. Israel, if you've, if you've read this before, if you've just read it for the first time, is continually finding opportunity, it seems, to complain. To complain and to grumble against God. We've, now, I'm sure you've never done that before, have you? Never been prideful a day in your life, never, never grumbled, never, never been upset. But we find a really interesting bit of passages here that are kind of strung together. And it's like, man, that's, that's what I feel like God's called me to, to preach on this morning. So we're going to look at Numbers chapter 16. We'll do a little bit of flying around here, but we're going to go all the way through 16. In 16 verse 1, it says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben. How are y'all doing with the Bible names, by the way, as you read through? <laughs> and you're like, how, do you, how does he pronounce it that way? I don't know. I make it up. Okay, so <laughs> this is what, that's, what I, that's what I assume it would sound like. Okay, so they, these guys took men and they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, and well-known men. It says they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far, for, in all, the congreg- for, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So all of a sudden, there's this, there's this showdown. There's this aspect of Moses, yeah, you've, you're in leadership, but you know what? You're, I'm not sure that you belong there or that you solely alone, thank you, Beth, are, should be the one in leadership. We're all holy. We're all important. And so they rose up against Moses. Now, it's interesting in the Bible, it says that Moses, according to the Lord, was the humblest man that had ever lived. And so, find out what Moses does next. It says, when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. And he said to Korah and all his company, in the morning, the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will bring him near to him. The one whom he chooses, he will bring near to him. He said, do this, take censers. Korah and all his company put fire in them and put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the Holy One. He said, you've gone too far, sons of Levi. 
And Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi, is it too small a thing for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself and to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister to them, and that he has brought you near him and all your brothers and the sons of Levi with you, and would you seek the priesthood also? So, see, Israel all had different responsibilities. They were, at this point, traveling through the desert. Everyone had different things that they were responsible for doing, and, and the, the whole tribe of Levi was pretty interesting because they, were, they ministered underneath the priesthood and would set up and take down the, the tabernacle, essentially. They were, they were close to God, but now, now it's like, is it not enough for you to already have this special place now you want the priesthood as well. You want to not just be close to God, but you want to be in charge. It seems like there's a lot of struggles for leadership, you know, unfortunately in churches, right? A lot of battles sometimes go on for power. Thankfully, we haven't had that issue here. If we have, I'm not aware of it. But here is this fight, this, this battle where Korah and these 250 men are saying, you know, Moses, you, you shouldn't be the dude. But Moses says, and so would you seek the priesthood also? Therefore, it is against the Lord that you and all your company have gathered together. What is Aaron that you grumble against him? Moses points out something interesting here that in this aspect of pride, in this aspect of fighting and, and grumbling and, and questioning leadership, that they weren't questioning Moses and they weren't questioning Aaron. What they really were doing was they were questioning God. How is it that you can, you're not just coming against me. Moses, like, Moses had a really good perspective of who God was and how powerful he was, and I'm sure had a, a healthy fear godly fear of who the Lord was. And it's almost like most saying, you don't realize what you're doing here. Who's, who am I? And who's Aaron that you grumble against me? And he kind of reminds me of when Moses first got the job to begin with. He didn't want it, right? He was like, Lord, find somebody else. Can't somebody else do this? I stutter. I'm just not the guy. I've been hanging out in the wilderness, tending sheep. You know, and, and God tells him to throw the stick down. And he runs away from the snakes. And this is, you know, you know, I don't, I won't say Moses is cowardly, but maybe at that point, you know, it's like, who, who kind of guy is this? But Moses didn't want the job. Why me? But God put him in this position. And with as difficult as it was to deal with Israel, especially, he would have probably been happy <laughs> to to give the job to somebody else. But he's dealing with a bunch of grumbling, ungrateful, power-hungry, whiny people, isn't he? <clears throat> and so this story is just crazy. It says, And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. He's like, let's, let's call these people together, first of all, to see who God's chosen. If there's a question about leadership, let's find out. And so, of course, he's, he's talked to Korah. 
But then he says, let's call Dathan and Nabiram, the sons of Eliab, the other crew there. And they said, we will not come up. They're not, we're not even going to show up. We're not going to come to your showdown, okay? Is it a small thing that you have brought us out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? Wait a minute. Brought us out of the land flowing with milk and honey? What's he talking about? Egypt wasn't a land flowing with milk and honey. Weren't, what was the situation when they were in Egypt again? They were slaves. Isn't it amazing when people are power hungry and their pride just fills them up that all of a sudden things change, the perspective changes, they embellish, never embellished, have you? Made things sound different than what they were. You brought us out of this land that was flowing with milk and honey and brought us out here to die. They were going to the land of milk and honey. Of course, if you've watched Veggie Tales, what do they say? Sounds sticky. Okay. If you've watched it, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. <coughs> and so they're just whining. Says, in verse 14, Moreover, you have not brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards, Will you put out the eyes of these men? Will, we will not come up. We're not coming. So just more pride. And of course, Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, and I have not harmed one of them. And so it says, And Moses said to Korah, Be present, you and all your company, before the Lord, you and they, and Aaron, tomorrow. And let every one of you take his censer and put incense in it, and every one of you bring before the Lord a censer. 250 censers, you also, and Aaron, each his censer. Now this was basically the way, this was a holy thing, where they would bring this censer, which was a, basically like an incense before God. And so if you're going to bring this here, we're going to see if God's going to respect your offering. <coughs> and so every man took his censer and put fire in them and laid incense on them and stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Why was it called the tent of meeting? Who were they meeting? God. This was where they met with God in the wilderness. It says, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all of the congregation. So let the showdown begin, right? And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin? And will you be angry with all of the congregation? And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the congregation, Get away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Get away from these guys that are so full of pride. It says, Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart, please, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be swept away with all their sins. How serious does God take pride? 
How serious does he take it? We're going to find out. So they got away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents together with their wives, their sons, and their little ones. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, and that it has not been of my own accord. This wasn't my idea, (coughs) right? Going back to the beginning, God came to me. If these men die, he says, as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates something new, and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, which is, essentially means a place of the dead, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. Interesting, he says, despised the Lord. Didn't despise Moses and Aaron. It was really God. This attitude of pride, it wasn't about Moses and it wasn't about Aaron. It was about God, bucking themselves up against what God had put in place. And as soon as he had finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled at the cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up. And it says, And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering the incense. How serious does God take pride? Serious enough to to open up the ground and swallow 250 plus people. To question what God has done. And the thing is, this wasn't the first time, right? Israel, over and over, even up to this point, continues to question God, continues to question God over and over. Why'd you bring us out here to die? And it's like, well, that's not why I brought you out here. And they were supposed to listen to God, and they would have gone into the promised land even earlier, but they didn't listen. And, it's just, and so here they are wandering, continuing to wander around in the desert because they did not trust God, because they continued to want to put themselves above God and above His plan. We're going to skip ahead just for the sake of time, but in Numbers 16, 41, let's go there. You would think at this point, right, when you see what happened, that Israel would have a different attitude. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I got a spanking, I would straighten up. You know, I would pay attention. But in verse 41, (coughs) it continues. It says, but on the next day, all the congregation of the people of Israel, what's the next word in your translation? Grumbled. They grumbled against Moses and against Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. You just kind of want to smack your forehead, you know. 
When are you going to get it? You have killed the people of the Lord. And when the congregation had assembled against Moses and against Aaron, they turned toward the tent of meeting. And behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared once again at the tent of meeting. And Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, All right, get away from the midst of this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And Moses said to Aaron, Take your sin. You know, it's interesting that that's their response, because if it had been one of us in leadership, maybe our attitude might have been different. Yeah, Lord, get them. Rain fire. These people that are not listening, not paying attention, continually whining, wipe them out. Open up the ground again. But Moses and Aaron weren't like that. It wasn't like a Liam Neeson movie where it's, get back, you know? I'm going to get even. Now's the time. Moses and Aaron where, as the Bible said, Moses was the humblest man on the earth, at least at that point that it was written, right? Probably ever. Who knows? But he, he just didn't want to see this happen. But he said, why won't they see? So they fell on their faces, <coughs> and Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put fire in it from off the altar and lay incense on it and carry it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. Atonement, make, make forgiveness. Let's this thing stop because we know what's going to happen here. For wrath has gone out from the Lord and the plague has begun. So Aaron took it as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly and behold, the plague had already begun among the people. He put on the incense and made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. It says, now, those who died in the plague were 14,700, besides those who died in the affair of Korah. And Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting when the plague was stopped. What does it take to get their attention. Pride is a very powerful thing. It rises up within you and it's like your mind goes nuts. You're like, no matter what, I will accomplish this thing. No matter what, this is, my idea is what's best. This is what, what does it boil down to what I want. And this kind of attitude when you see it is, is why God takes it so seriously why we've said this before, if you were to draw out sin, there'd be a little s, a big I, and a little n. Because it's all about you. Pride is the center of sin because when you get full of yourself, you're just going to take, you're going to do what you want. And you're going to thumb your nose at God because at that point, when you're in that state, you don't care about anybody else but you. Even if people were going to continue to die, 14,700 people because of pride. These are the same people that saw the miracles in Egypt. They're the same people that, that just watched the ground open up and swallow 
250 plus people. Got an issue here, don't we? What's it going to take? It's funny because, you know, we, we sometimes think, well, if I was back then, you know, if I had seen all the miracles of God, then I would live differently. I wouldn't be like Israel. But you see Israel just like what appears to be like the next day continuing in their pride. It doesn't, it doesn't stop there. Then we, we've got this, it continues, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel. This is in chapter 17. And get from them staffs. And so God says, this is really cool. I'm just going to just kind of share the story with you. He says, let's get a staff from all the tribes of Israel, from all the leaders of these different tribes. Maybe we can stop this now so that you can realize that, yes, I have chosen Moses and Aaron. And we're going to take these staffs and we're going to bring them in in front of the altar, in front of, in front of the presence of the Lord, and we're going to see what happens, right? And everyone gets a staff, and they bring it in. And, of course, Aaron brings in his staff with the rest of the staffs. And what happens is we find out, not sure where it is in here. I'm just going to tell you. <coughs> God causes Aaron's staff to literally sprout. How many of you like to walk around with walking sticks or to pick out a nice walking stick, you know? Okay. It's never, that's never happened to me, you know. All of a sudden, it sprouts. His, was, his sprouts has blossoms. His was made out of an almond tree. So it sprouts and actually produces almonds. And all the rest of them are just sticks. Do you think it was clear and obvious who God had chosen? And over and over and over, God says this, I have chosen them. They're the ones that are supposed to do this job. When will you humble yourselves and follow? Not Aaron, not Moses, me. Turn with me to Numbers 20. God, in verse, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 18, talks about some of the responsibilities that the Levites have and continues on. But in um, Numbers 20, we continue with the grumbling. Numbers 20, verse 1, it says, And the people of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And it says at this point, it says, Now there was no water for the congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. We could read through that without picturing that in our heads. They assembled together. So you just picture this mob of people. All right, we're coming to get Moses again. They come together. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. We wish we had died like Korah and the rest, either in the plague or that the ground would have swallowed us up, right? Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place 
There's no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. More grumbling, more whining. It says, Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Do this, <coughs> take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So I guess there was a big rock around there somewhere. It says, you're just going to go and speak to this rock, and it's going to give them water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And so it says, And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded them. Well, look what happens. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And Moses, I don't know what happened this day, but maybe Moses had finally come to his breaking point. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Interesting. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. Is that what God told them to do? He said, speak to the rock. Instead, Moses is like, all right, you rebels, and bam, bam. But still, God, because he had placed Moses in leadership, still continued to bring water. It says, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. It says, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So even Moses and Aaron, at a moment of pride, and especially because they were in leadership, were not going to be able to actually enter the promised land. How serious does God take pride? Literally, Moses died on this little mountain called Mount Nebo that overlooked the land flowing of milk and honey. But he never went in. God takes it seriously. Very seriously. One more story, and we'll do some jump into the New Testament. I promise it won't keep you all day. Let's look at Numbers 21. Hopefully, for many of you that have been sticking with us, this is just a little bit of review. I read that this week. Numbers 21. Let's look at another situation. When the Canaanites, excuse me, when the, when the Canaanite, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negeb, heard that Israel was coming by the way of Atharim, 
he fought against Israel and took some of them captive. And Israel vowed a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed give this people into my hand, then I will devote their cities to destruction. And the Lord heeded the voice of Israel and gave over the Canaanites, and they devoted them and their cities to destruction. So the name of the place was called Hormah. So literally, they're into battle. Some of the Israelites are taken away, and they say, God, if you'll be with us, you know, we'll, we'll take care of this, and we'll honor you. And God, God blesses them. They get the Israelites back. They take over this area. They just had a, a victory because of God. A little bit of background going into this. So you would think you would be grateful, you would be thankful, just as God continues to always come through and provide water and to provide food and to provide the Israelites back in victory. We come into this next section. It says, From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people, go figure, became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? This is really familiar, isn't it? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Ticked off still at the food that God continues to provide. It says, Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people so that many of Israel died. So in the middle of the desert, now all these serpents are coming out. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. (coughs) If only they had the attitude to begin with. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Kind of a unique thing that God did there. First of all, same kind of stuff, same pride, same disobedience, same grumbling, over and over and over. Why couldn't you have just left us back in the, wait a minute, oh wait, we were in slavery there? Not thinking anything about that. Continual pride. In this particular case, God brings salvation a little bit differently and says, we're going to make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. All you got to do is look at it and you're fine. Kind of interesting. We're going to see a little bit of foreshadowing in Scripture. But the aspect of pride and grumbling and rebellion and disobedience and and putting yourself first or above God or thinking that you know better than God, this this lack of trust in God is a big mess. There's no greater picture of pride in Scripture than the entire nation of Israel itself over and over and over we see that. Turn with me to James chapter 4. Keep your finger there. 
And also, keep another finger. We're going to turn to John 3 in a minute. Okay. All right. God takes pride seriously. In James chapter 4, he says, What causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions or your desires are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. It says, so you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. It says, and you do not have because you do not ask, and you do not You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. He says, you you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It doesn't mesh. He says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose... It is to no purpose that Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But thankfully, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud. Do we see that in Scripture? That he opposes the proud? Absolutely. It says, but he gives grace to the who? To the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. We see that double mindedness, don't we? Where Israel rises up and says, We want this, and they're like, No, 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 we sin. God, you're, you know, it's this back and forth, this back and forth. God, you're in charge. No, I'm in charge. Oh, you're in charge. No, I'm in charge. He says, Be wretched and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. And it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. In other words, your, your life needs to be so turned and changed upside down that it would look like this, that, you, that your laughter would be mourning and your joy would be gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will do what? He will exalt you. He will lift you up. Isn't that what He did with, with Moses? Moses, I don't want the job. I, 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 I'm not the guy. I'm not the one. You see, Moses continually, continually, over and over, bowing, bowing down before God and, and, and being called the most humble man in the world, God lifted him up and exalted him and put him in a place of leadership. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. It says, the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He was able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come, now you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, that you do not know what tomorrow will bring. For what is your life? It says, for you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, 
we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. It says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. What all this boils down to, I want you to turn to this particular passage in Psalm chapter, Psalm 10, verse 4. And Psalm 10, 4 says, In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. It says, All his thoughts are, there is no God. In Psalm chapter 10, verse 4, though, if you guys can, David, if you can put that up in the NIV, really clarifies this verse in a really cool way. In his pride, the wicked man does not Seek Him in all His thoughts. There is no room for God. When you're full of pride, you're full of who? Full of yourself. You're full of you. The wicked man, pride of the wicked man does not seek Him. In all His thoughts, there is no room for God. I think the question that I have this morning as we're, as we're coming to a close is how much room is there in your life for God right now? Is, your room, is there room for Him or is it all filled up with you? God can't use someone that's full of themselves but he can use someone like, like Moses who had emptied himself completely and allowed God to use him. In John chapter 3, I want us to, to close with this. So. What happened in the Old Testament with a serpent shows up again in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, <coughs> excuse me, in verse 14. It says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. The serpent back then was put on a pole that all they had to do was, was look to it and they would live if they were bit by these, these serpents in, in the Old Testament. And then we see Christ in, in the book of John, saying that he would be lifted up. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Christ is always, always the answer. What's interesting is if you, there's this little, little 
verse that's hidden away in the Old Testament, I believe in the book of um, Deuteronomy. I, I'm not sure where it's at. But it's later on we find out that that snake, that bronze serpent, carried on through the desert when Israel still went, became an, came into the land flowing with milk and honey and had a king and all this kind of stuff. That serpent was still there. But the problem was is that you, you read this little passage that says that the king at the time was trying to make sure that they were honoring God because the people of Israel were offering incense to the serpent, to the bronze snake, rather than worshiping God. See, Israel was always focused on what they could get, what, their, what kind of stuff, what kind of food, you know, what things were like back in Egypt, you know, getting all this stuff and things and all the stuff that's around them rather than focusing on Christ. If our focus is on Him, rather than the stuff and the world and all these things around us, and the things that we so-called want, that's where the joy is. That's where, that's where life is. This morning, the question is, is there, is there room? Is there room for God? Is your life full of you, or is it, is it full of Him? Because if it's full of us, it's going to be nothing but, but strife and trouble continually over and over and over again. Humble yourselves before the Lord so that He may lift you up. Can you pray with me? Lord, we thank You for this morning. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the, for the example of these, these stories in the Old Testament. Lord, in so many ways, we're not much different from, from Israel. We grumble and we whine and we complain and we think we know what's best and we trust in ourselves rather than you. Lord, help us to trust in you. Let our heart be set on you. Let our life be about you and not ourselves. Let our life be about what you want and not what we want. Lord, let there let there be room for you and nothing but you. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for this time together this morning. Help us to honor you with every aspect of our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.